0: I'm going to welcome Roger now to give us the talk this morning. Thank you, Anne. (coughs) Notice there wasn't a spontaneous burst of applause when she said she's going to welcome Roger, but there you go. (laughs) It's lovely to be here. Good crowd this morning. Lovely to see you. Right, our subject this morning is, again, faith. We heard about faith a bit last week from Michael. Um, Faith this morning, and It tells us in Hebrews, we didn't read this bit, um, that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I want to show you a short video clip now, which I think we've shown you before, but you're going to see it again. Uh, It's a video clip from a wonderful Indiana Jones film, about a leap of faith. Thank you. So I wonder how many of us would have had the, the, the faith to be able to step out onto that, um, onto that supposed bridge that was going across. I think I wouldn't even, even have got to the edge of the, uh, of the ravine, as Diane will tell you. I have a terrible head for heights. But it just shows that sometimes we're called to make uh, a leap of faith something we just don't um, understand ourselves. I wonder if you've ever met a famous sportsman or an athlete or a musician or or even a politician that you really admire. Sometimes they seem larger in life than you imagined in in your mind. And it can be a bit intimidating. It's a bit like going into a hall of fame. You see pictures and videos of people while they're excelling in their craft. And then when you meet them and see them, these amazing people face to face, up close, They're just like you and me, really, ordinary. Sometimes we may wonder if we'll ever measure up to our heroes. And one of my heroes is uh, Roger Federer. You can see him on the screen behind me. He's a tennis player, for those of you who don't know. Um, He's one of my heroes because I really admire the way he plays the game of tennis. But sadly, the most that I share with him is the first name Will I ever make it to play at Wimbledon? I think it's very unlikely. But when we look at Hebrews 11, the the faith chapter in in this book, we also see a Hall of Fame. But what these people have accomplished is their faith. They have lives with such amazing faith-filled lives that they've got into God's Hall of Fame. And as we walk through this Hall of Fame, perhaps we wonder if there's any chance that we will ever get into that hall of fame as well. Some of these people were amazing, like Enoch, who was so good that he never died in this world. Or like Noah, who had such faith that he took years to build a huge ship in the middle of the land during a, dra- during a drought because God had told him to. There's a young couple. He's 100 and she's 90. 90. And they laugh with delight when God gives them a baby boy. That same father and son would later walk up a mountain together where the father was willing to sacrifice the life of his son to that same God. So let's face it, when you look at people like Moses, Sarah and Abraham, Noah, Enoch, and many, many others, it can be pretty intimidating. But we need to understand a couple of things. People our people. God hasn't divided the world into super saints and grovelling ordinary saints. God doesn't divide the Christian community into the haves and have-nots, the popular and famous and the ordinary every day. In God's family, everybody is just plain human. None of us can walk on water. We need to remember that when we come to a passage in the Bible like this faith chapter. Perhaps we think those people lived in a different sort of world to the one we live in today. But they weren't half human, half angels. They were totally, 100% human, and that's all. And the other thing to remember is that God is God. He wasn't more God back in the first century than he is today. He wasn't more a God to Moses than he is to you and to me. God doesn't change. He's always the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wasn't more Christ back then. He wasn't more significant or more inspiring or more miraculous or more powerful than he is today. Jesus is Jesus. God is God. Do you sometimes feel that God got personally involved in those people's lives back in Genesis and Exodus, but he doesn't get involved in the same way today. He rescued people from all kinds of misery back then, didn't he? But he still does today. That's his speciality. God works on sinners, so we all qualify, because people are people, nothing more. God is God, nothing less. And miracles are miracles, nothing else. We're living in such a high-tech, sophisticated world that people often try to explain miracles away, don't they? That's not God, they say. That was an earthquake that caused those walls of Jericho to crumble and fall down. It wasn't a miracle when the disciples cast their nets on the other side of the boat. Jesus saw a shoal of fishes on the other side of the boat and, and told them to cast their nets over there. So they did, and of course they caught lots of fish. It's not a miracle. Miracles do still occur today. God intervenes. Miracles defy explanation and are beyond our comprehension. And a human human being on his own can't do them. Miracles are rare and they always have been. They happen at unpredictable times. They're God things, not human things. So a miracle is a miracle, nothing else. God is God, nothing less. People are people, nothing more. It can always make us feel very small and insignificant. You may feel like you're too inadequate and unimportant for God to do anything in your life, but don't believe that. It's not true. Everybody is a sinner, and those who accept Jesus by faith have been delivered and saved by the grace of God. In this chapter of Hebrews, we read about lots of people doing great things by faith. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea, the children of Israel. As if on dry land, Moses lifted up his staff. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. The waters were like a wall, piled up. It's very difficult to describe or display what this was like. Water piled up, actually nearly a quarter of a mile high, much bigger than shown on this picture, held back by an invisible wall as the people walked on dry ground. A miracle is a miracle. Can you imagine what they said? When they walked through, can you imagine the the sense of awe and wonder as they walked through this Red Sea? Their eyes as big as plates looking at the water on either side of them, held back by the power of God. They walked on dry ground. It was a miracle. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been marched around for seven days. An archaeologist once wrote... The the city, this is Jericho, was protected by a double wall of brick. A six-foot-thick wall was built on the edge of the mound, the outer wall. The inner wall was separated from it by a space of 12 to 15 feet and was 12 feet thick. Yet when the trumpets sounded after walking around for seven days, the city walls came tumbling down. By faith, Rahab the prostitute didn't perish with those who were disobedient to God. Because she had welcomed the spies into her home and hidden them. Rahab's faith saved her family. And do you know who Rahab turned out to be? She was the great great grandmother of King David. So she's part of the gene- genealogy of Jesus. And there's more, more, more people that are mentioned. I want to read you what we had earlier this morning, but just from a different version. This is from Tom Wright's version. What more can I say, then? I've run out of time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. It was through faith that they overcame kingdoms, put justice into practice, received promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were strong where they had been weak, became powerful in battle, and sent foreign armies packing. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting relief, so that they might receive a better resurrection. Others again experienced painful derision and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to the sword. They went about in sheepskins or goatskins. They were destitute. They were persecuted. They were ill-treated. The world didn't deserve them, and they wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. All these people gained a reputation for their faith. These people served God despite their fears and doubts and insecurities. Sometimes there were terrible consequences for obeying God, as we've seen. Many of them were martyred and suffered dreadful deaths. They didn't receive all the glory they hoped for on this earth, but they did receive God's glory in death. They experienced the miraculous power of God in their lives. And there was another very famous miracle that everyone knows about, which happened on a crazy night in Bethlehem. A couple of young honeymooners arrived in town. She was ready to give birth, and they had their child in a barn. Doesn't sound like a big deal, but we know that this child was a big deal. He was the savior of the world. It's a miracle. Nothing else, because God is God, nothing less. And he did it for you and me, because we are nothing more. Maybe you're feeling under immense pressure at the moment. Maybe it's something in your job, in your family, in your finances. Well, you can depend on God to get you through the sea of pressure. Maybe you need to break down a wall. Maybe it's yours. Maybe it's someone else's. Ask God to penetrate that wall for you, to knock it down. Trust in God. God is God. And who knows, maybe God has a miracle in store for you because you know, trust, believe, and have faith in him. Most of us can probably say that our life is not necessarily as we planned it would be. We may have had something different in mind, but that doesn't mean to say it's not good. It's just different. But we mustn't give up and and walk away from God. We're like those Israelites who saw the seas part, the walls crumble and collapse. It's the glory of God which we receive through Christ. It's the promise that God will always be with us whatever we do, wherever we are. You may think it's unlikely that your name will ever make it in that hall of fame, of faith. But you're not being chosen by some committee. You have a committee of one, and the committee of one looks on you as a child, created in love, created with a special purpose, called to live a life of faith, knowing that you are a sinner, but lifted up by the power of God's grace, mercy, and love. Because after all, you're created in his image. So we've seen all these people who have lived and done amazing things by faith. It was difficult for all of them. The great cloud of witnesses that's mentioned at the beginning of chapter 12 is made up of all those people that we've seen in the previous chapter and many, many more besides and since. Their faithfulness is a constant encouragement to us. We don't struggle alone, and we are not the first to struggle with the problems that we face. Others have run the race and won, and their witness encouraging, encourages us to run and to win as well. The Christian life isn't easy, it involves hard work, it requires us to give up whatever endangers our relationship with God, to run patiently and to struggle against sin, strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. To live an effective Christian life, we must keep our eyes on Jesus. We will stumble if we look away from him, to stare at ourselves or at our circumstances surrounding us. But remember Peter, who walked on the water while he concentrated and fixed his eyes on Jesus. But as soon as he looked away, as soon as he looked down at his feet and the waves, he began to sink. So it is by faith that we are saved, justified, cleansed, and look forward to the return of Jesus. Faith is where we please God, admit our dependence on him, and continually seek to rely on him and his grace without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him faith is only as good as its object we all use our cars a lot don't we i have faith that my car will carry me wherever i want to go and back home again we're going to scotland in october and I have faith that my car will get us there. However, if I'm trusting in my car to get me to heaven, I'm putting my faith in the wrong source. Jesus Christ is the object of my faith. He is the foundation of my hope. He holds the title deeds to my heavenly home. You remember when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat A great storm blew up. Jesus was asleep at the back. Disciples were terrified and woke him up and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the storm subsided. Then he said to his disciples, Where is your faith? Perhaps Jesus is asking us that question today. Where is our faith? Is it in wealth, education, possessions, position, a job? Are we trusting in our church membership and fellowship to get us into heaven or on our good works? Faith is only as good as its object. Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. Do you know him? If you do... If you are faithful to him, then remember, people are people, nothing more. Miracles are of God, nothing else. God is God, and he died for you, nothing less. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. appropriate now actually we have an opportunity to declare our faith and trust in the creed and it's um, always good to speak out and stand when we declare these things so if you'd like to stand